the yeah. is a way of being a oh, man like yeah. again and that disappears and 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 we use sucking teeth as like the sound to capture what those things is that are going yeah, to it's your like head. high roll yeah exactly um and uh if you're jumping in on this episode without listening to part one head back this is a two-part series where well as advertised the wonderful kamari rennes plays games with her teacher the talented, though, in this episode caught without fire too many times, Rudy Blanco. While they do, they traverse the wide landscapes of games and gaming. We talk about high school programs in the Bronx with New York Video Game Critics Circle and the Dreamyard Project, and so much more. For those of you on Facebook, a favor, head over to facebook.com slash no such thing podcast and give the page a like. In addition to show notes and photos, I'm hoping it's a place to hear more from you. This DJ takes requests, so take a minute to let me know if you have topics you'd like me to cover in coming episodes. My thanks, and enjoy part two. This is No Such Thing, a podcast about the promise and reality of learning with technology. I'm Mark Lesser. Lay it down for young gamers who just need to know what they're getting into. Kamari's... Uh, skilled review of Fortnite and why or why not this is a way you should be spending your time. Go. Let me just put the control. Yeah, there. I hear you. You gotta get, get ready. Alright, so I'm I'm offended because people are saying Fortnite for just one aspect of the full game. Yeah. Um, it's not just Fortnite. It's just Fortnite Battle Royale that everyone is talking about. Fortnite, which is Save the World, is what I played. And it's what I played months before Battle Royale came. Yeah. And that's what I played, and that's what I enjoyed. And, um, like, there, like, the Fortnite community back then was, like, really small. It was, like, really enjoyable. Like, um... There was this global chat that mm-hmm. we would all sit into and we would all like text each other so like we can work together to complete missions in the story. And I remember while I was playing Fortnite Save the World, um, like that was before Battle Royale, like um I would um group up with some friends yeah. and we would um grind materials and weapons and V Bucks. Um like all through the night so that we can complete the story and move on to the next area of the game. Like I once set a goal to um I set a goal to get to Canny Valley within like one night. And I bet like ninety percent of Fortnite players today don't know what Canny Valley is. Right. So like it's really like while I was playing, I saw that Battle Royale had just came out, and I noticed a lot of people were getting Fortnite. So I was like, oh, maybe they would like to play with me, and like we can all play the story together and get all these cool weapons and characters. But then they all went to Battle Royale, and so did my friends that I played with. Right. So I was thoroughly offended. And So because you had done all this work... I had done all in, that work. In the first environment, and then everybody's moved over. And not it. only that, I paid money to get, like, the Founders Pack to play the actual game. That right. was That's what it, it was intended to be. Yeah. And Battle Royale was free, so... But what do you think... 
what do you think caused everyone to like move over? Um, at the time, once Battle Royale came out, um, before Battle Royale actually, um, there was this game called um, Player Unknown Battlegrounds, mm-hmm. and it was um, it was the same thing like before. Um, it was there was a like a big map. Um, there were a um, hundred players that would go in. You could go in with squads. And, like, you would go around collecting items, Mm. um, shoot people, and see who could um, get first place, whether Mm -hmm. it be in teams or solos. And during that time, the um, space of the map would actually close in, and you would be forced to move to the next area, or you would die. So, like, um, Fortnite Battle Royale was basically the free version of that. Right. And, like, everybody started moving to that because PUBG wasn't on console and Fortnite was there and it was free. Um, Unpack that a little bit. So PUBG wasn't on console. Pretend I don't know what those things are. Um, PUBG is, well, PUBG is basically the game Fortnite is before Fortnite. Got it. And on console... We're talking about the stuff that, um, for those of you who are parents or teachers who have kids or hear students talking about uh, games, consoles are like your independent um, hardware for gaming, PS3, 4, etc., Xbox, mm-hmm. um, the Switch, the, the Switch, the Wii, um, yeah, so those are consoles. Okay, good. Yes. Uh, so your beef with it is not is not the game experience. Your beef with it is that they kind of um, they you feel like they bait and switched you as a player in the sense that like you went and spent this money, you built a community, you did all this work, and then they went and opened up a place down the block and sent everybody over there. Like from my perspective, I think that like the people behind Fortnite just forgot about what the game was um, originally intended for, which was, like, exploration, like, a story game, Mm. like, where you would, like, go around collecting materials, just like in Battle Royale. You would build, um, like, these forts and, like, like fortifications and traps so that, um, like, you could defend against um, the husks, which would be considered zombies in the game. Yeah. And you would do that fighting against the storm so you could complete the level and move on with the story. And I feel like once Battle Royale came, they just forgot all about what the game was usually intended for. So wait, in Save the World, you weren't fighting against other live players? No. It was like 100 people fighting against these... No, it was... One to four players, like, grouping up together, and they would um, go to the objective or find the objective, build these forts, and fight against zombies. You see, like, that's a Fortnite I would play. Because, like, I, when I started playing Fortnite, and I think that's where we kind of, like, agreed, and I was like, Kim, like, I feel you. Like, it was one of these things because it's, like, all of our, like, all of the students at school, like, they're hardcore fort like. It's insane how into it, you know, like, people are. And yeah. I didn't know this. I didn't know. Like, when you when you start the game, like, it, it says save the world and then battle royale. But like the Fortnite that I came on to, like, the assumption was always that it's always been 
battle royale. Exactly. And and the reason my biggest turnoff with the game was when I first played, you're dropped into this world with 99 other people, including yourself, and I could get nothing done. Like, I couldn't even, I didn't even know, like, usually when I play a new game, like, I like learning the controllers, like, you know, seeing what I have to do. Like, in Battle Royale, you could barely do that. It took me about, I think, maybe 150 rounds before I could even get a weapon, <laughs> you know? And it was just constant. Like, there were people that are just, high, like, it's just, it's, it's, it's intense. But I didn't know that that's, you know, what it was before. And you still have to pay for it if you want that version. Yes, if you, like, for me, I think, like, me, like, before Fortnite even came out, we were all planning on, like, what Founders Pack we would get or pack that we had to pay for mm. in order to play the original game. Right. So I think the one I got was, like, $80, and that was to play Save the World. And, like, every day I would log in. Um, they would give us Founders Packs, which were the little pinatas that... I'm not even going to get into it. <laughs> but they would give us piñatas every day, every day, and they would give us um, founders' weapons that we would all collect all together, and we would use them in fights when we, like, got into, like, fighting the zombies. Like, that's what I really enjoyed about Fortnite. And I remember one of the first events that came out. Um, the first event, I think... I think it was the one where, like, um, you would all come together um, in the same group of four. However, you would fight, like, you would set up generators in a large space. Like, I think one of the settings was a farm. And what you, ha what you have to do is you have to survive multiple nights. I think the longest I stayed was 10 nights. Mm -hmm. And um, you... You would have to survive like um, 10 whole days and nights fighting against zombies. And then once day came, you would have to like go out, find supplies, bring them back right. and fortify the generators. And that was probably the best thing I ever played. I like I really enjoyed it. But then Battle Royale came and no one cared. Right. So so I think what's interesting that a lot of people will um, learn a lot from is that you're sort of describing this, uh, the relationship between um, game developers and studios and the communities. So it's not just, it's not like uh, making a movie and you have a, a single viewer. Um, you're, you're essentially bringing a community along with you when you develop a game, then spin off a game, do other things. And in a way, it's like somebody built you uh, a library you meet up with your friends. You were doing all kinds of discovery and exploration and work. And then they kind of like busted down the library and put up a laundromat. And you're like, what? So so it really um, – I think one of the dynamics that people who don't game don't really understand is that sense of community and like – you know, people who are really invested in these experiences because they're getting something very specific out of it, either socially or uh, in terms of their own motivation or or what have you. So I think I think that's a pretty stellar um, review. You should um, I think for this uh, gift of uh, Kim's review that she's given us, you get to pick the next game. Um, in the meantime. Blanco, I wanted to ask you before you were like, um, what did the birds ever do? 
when you said <laughs> two birds with one stone or whatever you whatever you said. So I I gather um, I know a little bit about you, but people don't know much about you. I gather so far just that um, you didn't grow up hunting birds. No, I did not. It's so, just like this idea of killing two birds with one stone. Like right. why? So you're not a birder. Tell us more. Tell us more. Murderer. Tell us more about where you come from. So I was born in Dominican Republic. Um, I came here when I was four, um, and my family did the whole, like, and, you know, like, they immigrated here, you know, at a time where immigration was not what it is now. Um, it's a very, very scary place right now for people who are even documented people now, you know, like, it's like, you don't really know, but like my experience uh, as an immigrant kind of growing up in the U.S., like, uh, my first experience to cartoons, you know, like Disney, you know, like video games, Mario, like, that was like my first, like, NES. Like, you played NES, yes. right? Like, my first experience with it was, uh, you know, Super Mario, like, and my dad and my mom, like, they were each 21 and 20, respectively, when uh, they came here. So they were relatively young. And I look at myself at 21, and I used to play games, too. So when I put myself in my parents' shoes, like, my dad was obsessed with yeah. the gaming, too. You know, like, and, and it was like, because I was here four or five years old. Like, I want to come home and play this 8-bit game, like, Mario and save the princess. And I would come home, and my dad would have it beat already you know and like back in the day like he would just leave it on the last screen because in nes when you beat a game it just stays on that screen like right. there's no ending credits right. like there's none of that yeah. but um uh, fast forward i kind of uh was a student in the public school system here in new york city uh lived in jamaica queens for a bit grew up in corona um and uh, now i'm working in the bronx i went to school out in massachusetts we in college um uh, in norton not in uh Illinois. Uh, and uh, I've been teaching for nine years. Uh, it was at DY Prep that I kind of learned a little more about I wanted to do technology in some way, you know, and then I learned the hard way after taking uh, programming 101 that I wasn't a coder. Um, but at the time, and this was in, I guess, 2002 to 2006, right. um, uh, coding wasn't being pushed as much as it's being pushed now. Um, right. And it was relatively new. Like, I was out there doing HTML when it was still AOL 3.0, right. <laughs> you know. Um, so I was into it and then kind of realized that there's a difference between teaching tech and then teaching digital literacy. Yeah. Um, and that's where I, I went to the digital media learning conference for the first time. And I was like, whoa. Like, this is huge. Like, this is big. Like, it's not just about coding. It's about just using technology for more yeah. than, uh, you know, what we use it for and realizing that not just are there careers in areas, you know, that we don't often think about, but you can use tech to grow and to and to really, like, better yourself so that you can make yourself more, you know, like, hireable, more, you know, like um, – desirable to people who are looking for people with digital skills. But I like what you were saying earlier, that it's not just about the technology. Like a lot of companies now are also realizing like, hey, you know, like we would love to hire someone that has all these, um, you know, like social emotional skills and skills that can actually move them forward. But what they're looking more now, what they're looking for now more so than before is they want people who are willing to learn and willing to grow. And unless you can know how to use tech to kind of like bring yourself forward, yeah. like you're going to you're going to hit a wall. And um, I'm just really glad that things are moving in that direction. And I'm glad that uh, right now, specifically with gaming, which was I was so excited that you invited us to do this. It's this idea is there's a big push about um, as we started doing the critic circle. I honestly never once stopped to think about 
how much goes into a game. Yeah. Um, and uh, for parents who are listening, teachers that are listening, like gaming is so much more than just sitting there and playing a game. You know, there's the arts piece, the music piece, the design piece, the production piece, the advertising. I mean, don't even get me started. Like, and through the critic circle and through, you know, like working with Harold um, Goldberg over at the circle and Cherie Smith, like I've just learned that too many, like there's so many different entry points into this world um and i keep and i keep saying this and i keep bringing it back and i should really find the article so i can share it with you yeah but um uh, it was a, a quote in an article that i had read around gaming and like its role in the lives of young people they uh and as it relates also to social justice and like race and class um i had read somewhere where they were talking about how you look at um white young men and women who play we call them hackers but then you have young people of color who are doing the exact same thing and they're like labeled like these slackers and even mm-hmm. within our own community um there's no room for our parents and our you know like our the adults that are around our young people to understand that there's a career in this there are multiple careers in this and it starts with playing mm-hmm. you know like and and one of the things that i'm trying to do now which we spoke briefly about is this idea like how do we create a space for young people within you know like uh, specifically the bronx because that's where i'm based out of but um how do we create a space for young people who not just like to play but what you were saying kim earlier like people who are looking for this community that already have it but uh we can transcend that whole like taking it from just digital to real life. Because I think that's also another piece. A lot of like the fear that I hear from a lot of parents that I speak to, other adults is like, well, they're spending a lot of time in their room, not doing anything. Even if they're talking with their friends, there's still this sense of like, well, that's not in the real world. And uh, I, to some extent, agree. Like, I'm not saying that gaming is replacing socializing in real life because being in the real world is obviously, you know, that's where we live. Um, but we need to be able to bridge the two. Um, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. The, um, I think one of the one of the sort of institutional mistakes that we've made for a long time is um, you look at a, a resume and see that somebody was like a captain on a chess team. Right. And there's something like classy and highbrow about that. Right. It's like a strategy game. This is it's like respected uh, in a way that that. I think one could argue is is classist and racist. I'm not going to make that argument right now, but um, but if you put chess next to some of these other strategy games that we're talking about, uh, these are environments where, like, you know, chess is head to head. So um, when you talk about a strategy game where you're working in a team. Uh, you're building all these literacies like you were talking about earlier and knowing how to lead, how to be what kind of leader in a given moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that there's a lesser value uh, to um, original Fortnite or um, any any of the strategy games that are that are hot um, now or or ever uh, is is absurd. And I think we need to ask the question. As adults, when we look at a resume or when we hear from a young person, like, oh, I, I play um, I play games or versus I play digital games versus like, oh, I'm in the chess club. What kind of institutional um, uh, sort of deficit you're applying to one over the other? Like, uh, I, I see what you're saying there. Yeah. Like, um like being like head of your chess team, like you said, it's one. It's one on one. However, when it comes to like strategy games or like 
like games that focus on teamwork, not、mm-hmm. just one person. That's multiple heads against multiple heads, and in some cases, it can be multiple heads against one head, and like being able to deal with like. Different characters with different abilities, and like being able to like analyze that and see what you can do, not only to protect yourself but also to help support your team to win. I think、um, like having that pressure and also that gameplay and that time doing that game, like it will help you develop like. Um, different skills rather、yeah. than just sitting down and playing chess. Yeah, and chess is a wonderful game. Yes, I'm just saying if, if,、um, if, like nobody's surprised when they when I don't know if Einstein played chess, but let's let's guess Einstein played chess. <laughs> if somebody heard that, they'd be like, oh, of course Einstein played chess. It's, it's what smart chess. people play. It's what smart people play. <laughs> yeah. But if somebody was like, oh, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson loves Fortnite. I th- I made that up, but、um, <laughs> if they heard it, they'd be like, "What?" You know, like you know, video games are are、uh, yeah, it's just not the same mental model for like for what gives you cognitive strategies, and、um, I think that's kind of nonsense. I mean, when you think about it, when you hear. Like let's say people that don't know what we're talking about here, right? And you mention and you just say the terms like a word association or a thought association thing.、Yeah. You say chess club, even in our own minds, right? And then you say video game club. Yeah. I, already, you know, like we say, even in my own mind, and I'm all for this video game work. Like there are already these biases, these、yes. things of like you can't do what you can do in chess club in video game club、yeah. where. I mean, if you know me, like I, I necessarily don't agree. Like I'm the type of person that would say, "Well, actually, if you like video game club, play some chess to enhance your video game skills、mm. because there are some innate skills、mm-hmm. within、sure. games like chess. Like you learn how to think ahead a few moves, you could be a pretty nice player no matter what game. I mean, in strategy games because chess is mostly、yes. a strategy. But、um, I think of it when it comes to like something like Fortnite again. Like I don't necessarily enjoy the game, but the only times I do enjoy it when I found myself truly into it was when I played、uh, in a party for the first time, right? And we were all talking to each other, and then we all started figuring out that like while we were playing individually, it's just this constant like survive, survive. But when you're on a team. It's like, hey, you watch the upper ground, you know, like you'll watch my back.、Mm-hmm. I'll hide behind this tree and make sure nobody. Because that's the thing with Fortnite, people can get you like at any moment from any angle. So、yeah. like you're running one way and someone gets you from behind. Like so, when you work with a team, there are things that need to happen、yeah. that you can't find elsewhere. Like there's no other situation that I can think of. You know, unless you pay for an organization to come in and coordinate some type of leadership、like、training experience,、right. yeah. Like, but the thing is that, like, it's something that we deal with all the time. Like, schools who have money, you know, and can afford this, will bring their kids out to a leadership camp where、yeah. they can do the ropes courses and experience this real life. Yeah. yeah. When you cannot afford that, what do we have? And right now, I'm discovering the more we play that tool. I've discovered is kind of like things like these, where、mm. you can sit down and say, "Hey, you know, like we can actually do some of that leadership and team building in a different way." And some people would argue, and actually, some of my colleagues have argued that not every kid likes to play, so they won't all have the same access to it.、Mm-hmm. As opposed to now, I my thought or school of thought is that not everyone has explored. Gaming enough to know maybe what type of game it is that they'll actually enjoy playing with others,、mm. um, and I think that the more young people we can kind of encourage to 
I like how you all call it like serious games, like your curriculum around gaming and like how a serious game is like a game with purpose, like with reason. I think that every game can be a serious game. It just takes whether it's a young person or adults shift that perspective. And it's like, hey, yeah, we're going to play Fortnite. Like there are times where we're playing at school and everybody's just playing it level. This is what I call level one of engagement with gaming. Right. It's like uh, this idea of you play to play. That's like the lowest level of engagement. Like you're right. just playing to enjoy. And that's cool, too. That's what gaming is, you know, what it originally started as. But sometimes students are gaming and then I'll just come in and ask a question like, well, who's playing who and why? And all of a sudden, you know, like you start asking questions and building and yeah. then these debates happen while everyone is, you know, playing. And for me, it's music to my ears. Yeah. I look at it and I'm like, yes. But at the same time, no one's sucking their teeth about the discussion mm. or the debate or what people are arguing over, you know? You got to you gotta explain that because I, I know what you mean when you say sucking your teeth, but not everybody does. Ah. So, uh, <laughs> That's... Kim, do, do one more time. Yeah, or like so, uh so like i so um we we have to role play a scenario where you might suck your teeth at me like i walk like blanco walks in um let's play like like this is your class mm -hmm. and bell just rang you walk into the class and kim's sitting at the front what would you say that would that would cause her to suck her teeth so you all have had three days to get this done but only one of you has submitted like what's going on <laughs> And then you have like pro teeth suckers that'll be like the same comment and then like an extended teeth sucker. Like those are usually the thing is that like it happens and it's true and it's yeah. real and we laugh and it's funny. But nine years teaching and it is just a young person's way. Not just any young person. People in general, <laughs> right? Is this idea of when you're not content, the... Yeah. Is a way of being, oh man, like yeah. again, and that disappears. And 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 we use sucking teeth as like the sound to capture what those things is that are going yeah, to it's your like an head. Eye roll. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, whenever we have gaming, the only time we get teeth sucking is when the bell's about to ring, and we right. have to shut the game down. <laughs> right. You know, like uh, guys, five minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I'm the bad guy because I'm trying to tell them to go to class. But the thing is that that's something that a lot of other adults use. It's like, right. oh, they're in lunch and like now they're late to class because they weren't gaming. It's not about that. It's just we haven't had enough practice as a school, as adults using this as a tool yeah. so that young people can know, hey, we're here during this time to this time to have this space and have this experience. But that doesn't mean you put aside whatever, whatever other responsibilities yeah. you have going on. Yeah. So, uh, Kim, what do you want to play now? Um, I hope you enjoy this, Blanco. Let's do it. Um, so this game is called Don't Starve Together. I really hope Blanco enjoys this. Um, so survival games is one of my favorite genres to play. Um, so basically what this game is, um, is basically a multiplayer version of the regular Don't Starve where you would go around, like you would spawn in um, a randomly generated world, and you would go around collecting supplies like twigs, wood, um, and food. So, like, you can create like a little base or like a campfire to survive the night, and then you would keep doing that for any amount of days. You don't have to shoot birds, though, do you? Because Blanco hates shooting birds. You can shoot birds. <laughs> well, I also want to add that. I remember you had said earlier like that you really like this game and you were like, well, I don't know if you'll be any good at it. I think I'm going to 
kick butt. Like I'm gonna do really well at it because, like you, I also enjoy survival games. Um, I like games that require you to think, right, to survive. Um, and uh, when you have to like talk to each other to try to figure it out, like those games always. And also, do since it for me. since we're doing this together, it says it in the title. <laughs> That means that we have to think about how we're going to ration supplies because, like, there's a set amount of berry bushes. You can't grow new berry bushes. Right. So, like, you have to keep all that in mind. Supplies matter. Um, And I just want to say this. I'm telling you, if you do not have a torch when night comes, you will die. Okay. So fire is important. Warmth. Fire is very important. Be warned. <laughs> so the wait, darkness, is it two player? Um, it could be up to six players, I think. Like we can both play like at yes. the same time? Ooh. I also learned recently, for those of you that did not know, um, I learned the Yo, difference between... I ooh, love the art. Yeah. Could you press um, the options button? Yep. Except... <laughs> Play off I read that. We, we totally just. I read it. Buzz like the terms of service. I agree. The, we did the terms of service flyby like you've never seen it done. So yeah, this is one of the things I really like about the game is the artwork. Um, it's really beautiful. How do you describe it, Kim? How would you describe to it? To describe the artwork, it's two um, D animated, but it's staged in like a top down three D world. But it's all hand drawn, and I really, really like it. You better work, Miss Rennis. For that real? was an amazing For description. Real? I was gonna say it looks like paper <laughs> on a screen, but really, really cool. It's cool paper. But this is why, and this is, and again. I was right with <laughs> this is what I love about doing stuff like this. Like, had we not been doing something like this, I would have never, you know, like, known that you can describe. Because those are the skills that writers, you know, kind of use. It's the tool of the trade, which I thought was pretty cool. So that was pretty nice. And there's also a strategy aspect to this game. It's very, very light. But, like, um, so each character that you pick, like, you could pick one character, but they have their own different perks. Like, they have benefits and they also have downfalls. Mm. Um, you could pick any character you want, but I will explain. You like, walk me they're... through. Walk me through. Uh, another question for you is, uh, can you play online? Yes, you can. So it's both couch and online. Yes. So that's what I was telling you earlier. Like, I learned recently, like, I didn't know that... Mm. I grew up, most people that grew up, like I was born in 84, like I'm 34, it's not that big of a deal, like, but uh, it's this idea of we grew up in a couch multiplayer world, this idea of you can play with people in the same couch and play at the same time. Like a lot of the games that are out now, it's actually less couch and more if you want to play with people, like it has to be online, Yeah. Um, which kind of sucks because sometimes, you know, like you're with your friends, you want to play all together and Kim is opening me up to all these games that are the best of both worlds. so yeah. Or you want to play with your kids. Like, yeah, there are a lot of yeah. games that I want to sit down with my kids so that both so that I can be vetting the content but also so that we can play together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's only online. So what am I going to do? I'm going to set up another console in another room of my home. Well, that's how my roommate and I ended up getting two PlayStations. <laughs> <laughs> we started with one, you know, in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> and we were like, oh, uh, yeah, one-player games. Right. Suck. Then we found It's my Gauntlet. turn to play on the PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, and then we would like switch off. And then at one point, I was like, "Hey, would you like you know PlayStation 2? And Then we just got it. And then like she's in the room next door, 
I'm right in the living room and we're just like hunting monsters without having to be in a party because you know, like we're right there. But other. that's how serious the situation was. All right, let's All right. Get into this. I'm gonna give you. I, I'm ready to generate the world now, but I just want to give you a heads up. This is all the stuff that you have to deal with. So there's different um, seasons. Um, Each season um, spawns a different boss. That's so cool. um, These are kind of like the constraints, the things you can set to limit your world. Yes. Let me see. And if there's things that you don't want, I can turn them off. So challenge um, me, Kim. Just don't do. Don't go too crazy. If everything's at default. All right, then let's do let's do one in default. But I, I just want to turn off one thing is disease. Because okay. listen, listen. We don't want the measles. We got enough problems. You know <laughs> if you destroy a berry bush, we can't get it back. Okay. All right. So we have frog rain. Frogs will rain from the sky, and okay. they are hostile. I hate, I hate when that happens. <laughs> I know, man. These frogs. I should have brought my umbrella. They need to right. check themselves. Your frogbrella. My frogbrella. <laughs> but my this is the thing, brella. though. You see, already I'm in love with this because any time that I see a game that has so many, like, options to customize the experience, like, I'm naturally drawn to them. I don't know what it is. All right. Here are some monsters. We got spiders, dogs, mermaids. Yo, a McTusk. I love you the... You see the McTusk? I love the merm. <laughs> the merms. We got merms. poison, birch trees, a tree guards. <laughs> you know, I can actually see some of this art actually reminds me a lot of some of the Plants vs. Zombies art. Yes. So I could see, I could see you uh, a, a theme. And here are the bosses here. We have Badger. He is a bear badger. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Here's Meese Geese or Moose Goose. (laughs) Here's Deer Clops, the one who always kills me. I love that. And Dragonfly, which you should never bother ever in your life. I mean. Ever. Let's do it. Come on, that's. I feel like that's a bad rap Dragonflies get because, you know, Dragonflies don't really bother anybody. Speaking of, I saw a dragonfly outside walking here. What? On the streets of yeah. Yeah. New York City. Well, I, we are we are on like one of the, uh, if not the biggest estuary. Like, on people forget that we're like we're like, we're in New York Harbor. It's a pretty uh, dragonfly. I've never enjoy. seen one around here. Like my experiences <laughs> with dragonflies was when I was in college right. in the suburbs of Norton Mass or the rural like right. backwoods of Norton right. Mass or like whenever I'm right. hiking. Yeah. But to see one walking down the street with like walking. No, to see one while I was walking down the street. Oh, Um, but but yes, uh, if that dragonfly was walking, it better have had a suit on. Given oh, I forgot it splits the screen. That's awesome. Okay, so these are my characters. Me too. I love this. I'm on the left side. Oh, I'm getting this. So, like, I have a big fear of bugs, West. but this is the only game I can deal with them because Weber is my favorite character. Wow. So you normally play Weber? Yes, he is um, a spider who ate a child. Aww. Winona. But and not not in a bad way. No, no, it's not. A, they both work together. <laughs> <laughs> like, So he's just housing the child. Like, the child is in him. Yeah. Like, that's why he has a legs and arms, but the spider, Perfect. he couldn't, like, oh, they work together. Oh my gosh, I see it now. Now I, end, I get the stuff. art. That's why they're <laughs> called the indigestible. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wolfgang. 
Wendy. I love the bullets. So the bullets under the character say, is a monster, can befriend spiders, grows a silky smooth beard. Yes. <laughs> that Those are my bullets. There's a, it looks like there's a nice even split between male and female characters. I think it's pretty cool. Yes. Sometimes it's all mostly boys and I like Winona. Uh, all right, who am I going to go with? Wilson is too cliche. I know this is taking a while, but come on, it's my character. So can we, can we talk, can, while we're at character select, so while we're at character select, can we talk about game characters a little bit? So like, um, not to, not to, we don't want to, we don't want to pick on any one game, but like I'm looking at a character select here and we're, we're um, three, three colors of the palette in this room, Right. Um, but I don't know the, the, what do you guys think in terms of, uh, representation and what's here? Like there's a lot of obviously sort of silly fiction here, but the people are kind of all old timey and, uh, white, pretty, pretty white. I mean, the only ones that are not white are the monsters. They're like Weber is a spider. And, and uh, WX78, which is a robot. So that's going to be a ding in my if 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 I'm writing the review, that's going to be a ding for me, right? Like, but we have a Canadian. Oh, okay. Well, Woody. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I see, I see what you mean, Mark, and like a lot of things. Like I don't know if it's the same with you, Kim, but like for example, ever since I started playing with McLaughlin, who's my colleague, friend, yeah. um, and also roommate, like. She's really brought out for me, like, as a man, it's like, okay, every time I play, one of the first things we look at is, are there female characters yeah. in the game, you know? And, like, it wasn't until recently that, uh, ever since I started playing GTA, I, I came back to GTA, which I wouldn't play with students because of the nature of the game. Um, it's not meant, you know, for, like, a younger crowd. But uh, all of the racial undertones of that game, like, anyone who's not white, is like this criminal, you know, yeah, like living yeah, in the, and yeah. like, so like race in and of itself is important, but like, uh, yeah, like, thanks good, for bringing that up. Good example, by the way, of a AAA title, Grant. I think it's actually the biggest. Yes, it is. Triple uh, A title. So I'm leaning towards Wendy because according to what you said, Kim, um, uh, if the fire goes out, you die. Mm-mm. That's a lie. That bullet point that says feels comfortable in the dark is a lie. That just means that she doesn't lose sanity in the dark. That doesn't mean she won't die. So they all lose sanity in the dark? Yes. And Whoa. sanity is very important because I if it gets too low, you start seeing like ghosts yeah. and then you have to fight them. Yeah. Oh, man. Can I follow up my character question mm-hmm. while you guys pick? You guys pick. Sure. My follow-up is, um, can you guys think of, do you guys have favorite games? Like when you're talking to um, your colleague about uh, the diversity of characters in games, like do you have favorite games that are, are that do the best job representing, uh, like if they're human characters especially? Like mm. I noticed, I actually noticed when I was checking out Monster Hunter, um, Monster Hunter is what we're going to play. Uh, when I was checking out Monster Hunter, uh, they actually do kind of a nice job. And that yes. was a note I made right away. It was like um, kind of even distribution between between male and female characters. There were all sizes, shapes, and colors of characters. Um, and I thought that was a nice a nice job on their part. Do you guys have other examples of games that do a good a good job? Do they have to be human? Uh, no. 
not necessarily. Like when you think of like let's say like uh, like different cultures. Yeah, like yeah. just not just different culture because even in games, like even if they're not human, it's just representative of diversity, whatever you know that may mean. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Monster Hunter, but something that I didn't realize until my uh, my friend uh, McLaughlin like picked it up was like that in Monster Hunter, if you pick a woman um, as a character, all of her outfits yes. are revealing. Yes, that's yeah. true. Well, like, you know, like, they'll have, like, the, so the they, midriff. So they like got, their... like, halfway there. Yeah, so, like, and then the <laughs> thing is that they do they do really well with, like, the yeah. uh, the racial component. Like, there's people, definitely people of different colors. Yeah. Like, when you, yeah. uh, you know, like, when you fix your character up, you can, like, change all of that. But I, as a man, I have to also speak from a place where I, I wasn't I wasn't aware. Like, I wasn't even thinking of that, you know? And then she goes, oh, this game, which is based solely on, let's say, building uh, armor, right? Mm-hmm. And building stuff. Like, no matter what armor you build right. for a the woman character, armor. like, there's uh, like there's always this sense of, like, yeah, well, um, you know? But again, it's cool. very important for men also to just pick up on the fact that, like, oh, I didn't think of that. Because if this were real world, like, if you get cut, like, you're exposed <laughs> everywhere. Your armor's not <laughs> like, by Talked, you talked about fighting Diablos, and Diablos has two giant pointy horns on his head. <laughs> so if my character has a midriff, right. what, yeah, how, yeah. how is like that a, protecting like a, me? Basically a belly shirt out of metal. <laughs> yeah. So to your question again, I guess, are there games that you feel... When it comes to culture, I, I don't really play games that have humans, but um, Smite is one game I play, and basically... Um, it's kind of like League of Legends in that sense where there's many characters. It's a team game. Um, but what Smite does differently is it focuses on um, different gods from, like, different pantheons. Mm-hmm. So there are Egyptian gods. There are Greek gods, mm-hmm. Roman. Um, I like that. Um, Chinese, Japanese. And you said it's free. Yes. Um, it. <laughs> and recently they added um, Slavic and voodoo gods. Okay. So, and like each different like god that they create. I can't um, even name a Slavic god. What's a Slavic god? Well, the Slavic god that they added to the game was Chernobog, and he is the lord of darkness. Yo. I'm Have you ever read American one. Gods? Chernobog, uh, I think that same one is in that book. Oh my gosh! What's the name again? Chernobog. Chernobog. Chern. Okay, pick your characters. Chernobog. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go with Wilson. Cliche. First, you know, like, it looks like he's the first lead character. Yeah, he has Let's no um like um. No skills. Like he, there's nothing bad about. Who do you him. recommend? Who do you think? Knowing Wilson. Me, Wilson. Wilson. You think I should be? Yes. Okay. I'll be Weber, even though. Yeah. So wait, have you played online where you can customize your character? Yes. Can you change their skin color? No. Okay. You can only change the clothes that they wear. But let's get uh, started. Chernobog. Slavic, Options. A Slavic deity whose name means black god. Hey now. About whom much has been speculated, but little can be said definitively. The only historical sources, which are Christian ones, uh, interpret him as a dark, accursed god. Oh. Well, uh, back to your point, Rudy. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I mean, historically, black has always been evil, you know? Exactly. So, okay. Like, they could so, have at least said a dark god, you know, like. <laughs> Blackness. So Chernobog, for, for those who want to know, uh, yeah, pretty much fits, fits the. Uh, 
I'm interested in those voodoo gods. Um, the like, do you know any of the names of the? They only added one voodoo god, and his name is um, Baron Samedi, and he oh, is Samedi. I know Samedi. Yeah, he is the god of life and death. Mm-hmm. He's also known as uh, Elegua in Santeria because, like, my family, like, uh, I have some family members and stuff that like uh, delve in it, but like, I've definitely heard of. Uh, Samedi, and I'm not sure if it's Elegua in particular, but these are names that are familiar, you know, which I think is pretty cool, uh, so I'm totally getting... Guys, I'm not sure, but I think Baron Samedi is one of a... one of the... I, I, don't, I can't even pronounce this. Uh, so, Haitian voodoo, it's I-O-A? One of the Loa. Loa. Oh, it's L-O-A. A Loa is a, a deity in... I guess that I don't know what the difference is between yeah. Haitian voodoo and like so, some of the- So I broke I broke my my joke right away when I couldn't pronounce the thing. I was going to make it sound like I actually knew this off the top of my head, but I'm looking at uh, Wikipedia. Semedi is a loa of the dead along with Baron's numerous other incarnations. Baron Cimetier Baron Lacroix which I'm drinking a Lacroix right now and Baron Criminel uh, he's synchronized with St. Martin de Poré. Watch out for the turkeys. They eat the berry bushes. All right. Uh, patronage, death, tombs, gravestones, cemeteries, dead relatives. And you get to sanities. play as them, Kim? Play as what? As these deities in the game? Yes, you do. Fighting each other or fighting a common monster? Fighting each other. Battleground mm. of the gods. Um, but I do like, I mean, to your earlier point... Um, Kim in Smite, <clears throat> like I do like that they're bringing in, d- despite the fact that m- they're bringing in a lot of stereotypes. Um, so I I don't know if it's a plus or a, a delta, but uh, the fact that some of these gods are coming from different cultures, it it at least as we're um, if we were to co-play it uh, or couch play, as you were you were <laughs> saying, uh, it would force. An interesting conversation, potentially. Um, we haven't, you guys have mentioned it a couple times, but while you're playing in the early stages here, uh, the art kind of, this wasn't my question, this is a, a, a sidebar, but the art kind of reminds me of Tim Burton. Yeah. Yeah. Yup. Yup. That's uh, a great. We, we talked about, or you guys mentioned the Critic Circle. Um, so New York Critics, uh, what what is the whole thing? New York, the New York Video Game Critics Circle. New York Video Game Critics Circle. Um, they are running a mentorship program up at Dreamyard Prep and doing some amazing work. Um, Rudy, maybe tell us a little bit about the program. Sure. Um, so it was about three years ago. Um, uh, I was put in touch with Harold Goldberg, who. Um, uh, coordinates and runs a lot of the uh, Critic Circle work. Um, and uh, he, they put us in touch with him. And by they, I mean like Dream Yard Project, our co-executive director, Tim Lord, um, knew Harold and put us in touch. And pretty much the idea was that we want to start a career pathway into gaming. Um, and uh, Harold was super excited about the um, idea or the perspective of getting young writers uh, or entering gaming through writing. Um, and uh, the Critic Circle itself, um, you can definitely check out the website or Google it, uh, and we can put the website on the descriptions. 
Uh, so you can like go in and check it out. You can also read some of Kim's reviews there. All of her reviews are published, which mm -hmm. um, uh, you should really check it out. But the idea was that if we can get young people to write about their experience gaming, um, not only are they practicing that writing skill, but they're also learning a very tangible you know, career um, trajectory through gaming, something that we wouldn't have normally thought of. So three years ago when we began, um, uh, we had students writing narratives. Uh, Harold um, and his team would come in and they would uh, work with young people in like editing, helping them read what they're writing about games that they like, that they already play. Um, and uh, what we found was Harold um, and his team was uh, really cool about helping us like see how we move forward. And they proposed that we do a scholarship, right? So our first year, we did a scholarship where young people wrote and proposed a narrative for a game that they would create. Um, and we had about like 15 contestants, 15 participants signed up, and we had all types of narratives that were uh, created, which was really cool. Um, and that was the year we were like, oh, man, like we're on to something here. And Harold was really excited. He brought on uh, Cherie, who started working with us. Um, and uh, since then, I mean, the circle, I'm not sure exactly how many people. Do you know, Kim, about how many people are in the circle? It's like anywhere from like 15 to like 18 different writers. Yes. And uh, don't quote me on this, but like I do know that it's a pretty much a collective of writers across various publications that review games, electronics, technology, specifically games in this case. Um, but they come together and they just they do their thing and like they're they're a network and they've been really, really cool about working uh, with young people. And our most recent scholarship this year, which Kim also competed in, was uh, we played Little Big Planet, and the scholarship uh, opportunity was that students in teams of four with one student for every grade. Mm -hmm. um, so we would have a sophomore, freshman, uh, junior, and a senior come together and build a level together mm -hmm. um, with the constraint that it had to address a social issue, mm. a social topic. So they were limited by the constraints of the game, but they also put stories in. And this year... Uh, Kim, you can talk a little bit about yours um, a little bit, but like this year we had three teams compete, um, uh, which was a total of like 12 students, which was really cool. One second. Kim, it's night. What did I tell you? How do I light a torch? It was the one thing she a told you. L2. Her they're going to punch you. Oh, you're dead. I'm a ghost I now. told you. <laughs> I know. I was so that into That was this. the one thing uh -huh. I told you. <laughs> Well, you know what? You're bound to make the mistake once. It's all, it's all right. <laughs> but I can still pick stuff up. No. I can haunt things. I, I can help you come back to life. That'd be nice. I yeah. can haunt the carrot. <clears throat> oh, so I guess what I was saying, sorry about that. It's this idea that this year's scholarship was really cool because uh, before we would only get seniors like or a uh, few young people that wanted to like participate because, I mean, it was a scholarship. But this year... With that constraint of teams need to be members of all grades, like we're securing multiple years of applicants. Um, but at the same time, like uh, the students did really, really well. Um, yeah. One of the groups, like the winning seniors walking away with about um, $1,800 worth of scholarship funds Whoa, that they can use towards. Cool. Uh, yeah. And like it's it's been such a great but every grade gets something with the juniors and seniors getting the most since they're the closest to whatever their post-secondary uh, yeah. plan is. I'm going to um, get you. 
But yeah, that's the critic circle. And uh, we go on a lot of trips, too. Uh, we've met um, executives from Rockstar. Um, uh, we went recently to the Tribeca Games Festival, uh, where we got to meet the cast of God of War, which was pretty cool. We also met the director. Um, uh, we were planning on going on a trip out west to go uh, to some game studios and stuff. That's something that we want to do next year. Uh, when did you guys go this year to Avalanche, right? Yeah, did you Avalanche go? Studios. Yeah, so our young people are kind of getting experiences of, you know, the other side of gaming, which I think is super cool and exciting. How do you feel about it, Kim? Huh? The critic circle. How do you feel about it? Um, I think the critic <laughs> circle deep, is deep into trying to revive. <laughs> I'm trying to bring you back to life. I'm like a Where ghost are over you? here trying to hunt trees or haunt trees. So um, the critic circle. There you are. So the critic circle, I think, is a like a very, um, very like beneficial um, sort of opportunity for students. Um, it's one of the only opportunities I've seen for like um, children my age, where they get like a firsthand look and also hands-on experience in the gaming industry, yeah. specifically um, journalism. And being able to visit these places like Avalanche Studios and meet like people from Rockstar, um, that's something like a lot of us who want to get into the gaming industry don't have the opportunity to do. Mm. So um, for me, I've been working with the New York Video Game Critic Circle for two years Um like, I've gotten to learn so much, and I've got to go to so many places, yeah. like, to learn about, like, the career I want to do, even though I'm only doing journalism right now. So, yeah, I get to write about my experiences with gaming, and little did I know that that's a career in itself. Yeah. So, like, um, even if I don't get into the gaming industry, or, no, like, not the gaming industry, but if I don't get, like, into, like, the gaming design, like, aspect, or maybe I'm not interested in, like, creating a game at all, I will have that skill of journalism, which is actually, like, really good. Yeah. Well, or maybe you want to write games. Yes. Which a lot of people don't realize that. That games, especially yes. now with um, some of the titles that are like a, have much deeper narrative, um, have writers. Uh, we <clears throat> one a few years ago, uh, Emoticon, we had uh, keynote um, one of the writers from Assassin's Creed, who was super interesting, and and um, his sort of journey into that role was was totally. Um, a, a kind of crooked path where he had he had uh, you know he was a writer uh, who kind of stumbled into games and um, discovered this pretty amazing career pathway. Um, so who knows what it leads to? But it sounds like, in your opinion, it was it was an important exposure for you. Yes, um, working with the video game critic circle, it like the trips that we go on. Um, being able to write and also like um, being able to publicize your articles is what really grabs the attention of the actual people who develop the games, which is like really cool. And like that's something you wouldn't like normally be able to do. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really grateful to have that opportunity. Yeah. And honestly, like and personally, like as an adult, also, a you know, an educator, like a teacher and um, a mentor, like I honestly like had it not been 
for exploring gaming through journalism. Like, I don't think I would have ever thought to really dedicate, you know, structured time to kind of starting a video game club and doing all of this work because it was while we did all of this that we realized what, like our first scholarship was write a narrative. And then we saw all of a sudden kids that were in gaming but were creative writers, mm-hmm. you know, like coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. And we were like, what? Some of the stories that we got were amazing. I think the winning story uh, that year was a young woman, Machi. You know Machi. Yes. Um, she had written uh, a narrative about um, a world where all men had died off, you know, mm-hmm. and like women were, you know, like at this, you know, like level in society where like they were putting together this like matriarchy. So they were stuck with like trying to like survive in this like post-apocalyptic. Like yeah. it was just like it was really, really interesting. And Harold was the one that helped me realize like the power of narrative in gaming, you know, and like how some of the best games right now, I guess using my new term, some of these new triple A games, <laughs> <laughs> right, that are coming out, like, it's fascinating at how much stuff. narrative, um, uh, you know, is important. Sorry, Kim. I gave you a torch so you don't die again. All right. Okay. So I'm sorry, Mark. Give me one second here. I need to figure out. Okay. So, Kim, tell me what we're doing here. All right. So I made a pickaxe so that I can mine these rocks so that I can get flint and gold. So you can build things. Yes. So all the stuff that I mined is gone. Yes, because you died. How do you make a pickaxe? Shade. Um, <laughs> so I, I gave you a pickaxe, but to make one, like you collect sticks and you mix it Seeds, with the flint petals. on the floor. Seeds, petals. I have my pickaxe here. And how do I use them? Um. Basically, um, in this game, you use the like um, directional pad to equip and inspect stuff. It's so, like at the bottom, it would tell ah, you. I to see. Equip. I see. Okay. It's got that. That's kind of like a got a Minecraft vibe to it. Yeah. Oh, you saw how cool I look breaking that rock, mm. and I got a gold nugget. You did for somebody with such a giant head and tiny body. Um, you, I feel like you really went at that rock in a serious way. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kim. I let you down, Kim. It's all right. I'm gonna make an axe and then Whoa. I'm gonna get some supplies. <laughs> it is funny to watch him, right? But the thing is that sometimes I look at games like these and I'm like, oh man, like the team that put the game together, like. The same people. Oh, oh my God. Oh no, 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 no. I gave you I a know, torch. I know, Kim. I can't switch. I have to say. Stay with you. me. Stay with me. Wait, wait, wait. I have okay, to how do I change? Oh, okay, there we go. Gold nugget torch equip. All right, I have fire. <laughs> fire. You were about to die again. I know. Sometimes you know that happens. It's all right. You're learning so <laughs> you know, that yeah, when you but, buy this game, we can play together. Yeah, and then I could totally convince my friends to buy it. And then I could be like, yeah, I'm the expert because my best friend is like a pro at this. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, Rudy, where'd you learn how to play? I'm like, my student, you know, right. she's just awesome at it. She's a game reviewer. Yeah. She knows what she's right. She knows what's up. Oh, what was that? Did you see that? Oh, that was a ghost because you're going oh. insane. Whoa, did I just make... No. I was, oh, it's I, daytime. You could put I honestly torch. thought I made it day for a second. <laughs> what, what, um... So this is don't... Don't starve together. Starve together. Um, what genre would you put this in? Survival. 
I, I wouldn't say survival horror because it's not that scary, but it is definitely survival. How do I unequip, Kim? It's going to run out anyway, but you go to where you have it equipped and you press um, left on the directional pad. Um, I really do dig the art. I mean, it's not, it's nothing complicated. It's just the aesthetic is just, um, is a great way to make a fairly simple game in terms of, um, I mean, it's like, it's kind of, um, two dimensional and, um, and, uh, it's a pretty simple kind of map that you're traversing. Um, but it makes it really aesthetically easy to easy to watch. Nope. So wait, Kim. Uh, I know you're probably gonna get frustrated with me with here, but um, uh, so is there a quick way to unequip? So equip, right? And if I want to quick unequip, um, like do I would, have to move all the way over here? You have to do that, or <sighs> you can just equip a different item. Okay. Now I need more fire, okay? Because I'm not about to die again. So how do you know when night is coming? Um, there's a little clock in the middle where it shows, like yellow shows when it's day. Um, the red, the burgundy, um, shows when it's like, um, like it's twilight. Yeah, and then the dark blue is night, and so like the night period is Blanco, very short. Blanco, that yeah. giant clock in the middle of the. I know, <laughs> Kim. Show me how to show me how to make a torch. Okay, okay. So I don't have. Okay, so uh, follow Should me, follow me, follow. Okay. Me. Just come with me. Come, come with me. Grasshopper. Come hither, young Padawan. All right. So, to make a torch, um. You need to have twigs and grass, and like there's none in this area, but there were well, some. It's about to be grass. night. There's some grass. No, it's about to be twilight. Yeah, Yo, you gotta hurry. You guys just pass grass. <laughs> that was uh, the birds ate that grass. <laughs> uh, no, those were seeds, be... I think. Pass grass is a funny thing. So to you say. collect grass and, and um, saplings. Is important too. Mm-hmm. Um, there it is, right there. And then press L2 um, at the corner of your screen. It shows what you can craft. And if you go down. So here. Oh, okay, okay. This one's with. Yeah, those were, that's the fire section. And you could see what you can do with it. Like, I think you can move it regularly with. Um, okay, yeah. here it is. So fire torch. So torch, it shows you what you need. I need two more twigs. Okay, I get it. I get it. That's is this the game you were saying that has a learning curve? Because I can see, it's not Kinda. this one, is it? No, <laughs> yeah, it, the it's weird. It's um, oh my god! Now he has it equipped, and now he's lighting things on wait, fire. Wait, unequip it, unequip it. I know, I'm trying, I'm trying. Yeah, it does need like a hot, a hot button way to uh, yeah, unequip. But I guess are that's... you burning the whole forest? I mean, <laughs> one of my other oh characters my... was a, a fire starter. What are the other characters? Yeah, I see what you mean now, Kim. I'm going to pick as much grass up as I can. Oh, everything's... Okay, we need to leave. Everything's going on fire. Wait, seriously? Was that me? (laughs) (laughs) Look, you see, now 
it's about to get dark again and I don't have a torch. You you do have a torch. It's right. It's on your hot bar. Like, you see that 88%? That's ah, your torch. Okay, okay. Boom. Don't light it now. <laughs> Stop. What's he hitting? My bad. Stop He's burning hitting. everything. I yeah, keep lighting stuff on fire away. that I need to make more torches. The game it's is not night called yet. Don't Starve, and, like, I'm starving. We need to find a place to live. I think I know a place. Um. So, guys, we need to uh i'm gonna wrap the session mm-hmm. um you guys can keep playing obviously but but i'm curious as just a place to um end the episode which may have turned into two episodes because we we uh we talked for a while um i'm curious what you guys think of our format and what we can do uh, to continue to evolve, because um, this was this was fantastic. I think um, people definitely on my list is figuring out a way to get um, uh, to get the the gameplay captured uh, in video, so that people can watch if they want to while they listen. Uh, do you guys have other other ideas for how to um, spin this? type of episode uh, in future iterations, assuming you guys will come back and play more games and invite friends and other educators? Um, I really like the format. Um, um, although, like, I have seen, like, visual podcasts before, and they seem to, like, do the same thing as well, although they have, like, visuals. So um, in those podcasts, they would actually show... Um, the people who were talking, kind of like an interview. Eat your carrots. Is that what that means? Yeah, you're hungry. Where are my carrots? Oh, here they are. Eat. The title of the game, again, Don't is start <laughs> together. I see what the trick is, though. The trick is to, like, make sure that the if you know night is coming, like, highlight that torch. Before, yes. Because that's where I got stuck before. Sorry, Kim. Go ahead. So, um... Like, how can we make it... How can we improve on the... I think, like... Providing, like, entertainment. I mean, not entertainment, because this is entertainment. Mm. But providing visuals, I think, would go nicely with um, mm-hmm. the audio. Agreed. Um, because even though we're talking about what video game we're playing, they can't necessarily see it. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're capturing the audio right here. No, I lit the forest on fire, guys. Every you see the berry bushes over here, they're gonna get set on fire because of you. Well, I'm just now learning that things are highly flammable in this dark, well, dark forest. Well, the episode forest. is ending. So. No, because in normal oh. games, like you wouldn't be able. Also, oh, I can light the trees now. On yes. Fire? Okay. The episode. Don't ending. do this at home. Smoking would be as, so mad at me. We might as well. We might as well set everything oh, on fire. Do it! Do it! Do it! <laughs> So, yeah. All right, so visuals. I definitely agree with the visuals. Um, uh, you know, something that I think would be really cool, too, is um, if we found a way to uh, be able to field questions mm-hmm. Oh, that's while a great we're idea. doing this. That's a great idea, though we ha- we'd have to figure out a way to get questions plugged in live. Well, that's we the thing. That. Like, if we do, uh, I know that when you live stream through here, mm-hmm. there are ways to make it so that questions pop up while the game is being played. Um, it would just be a way of us trying to figure out that piece we were talking about. Like, how do we moderate 
yeah. um, this type of discussion, being that we are working with young people um, and we got to talk a little more about because sometimes, you know, like the dark side that a lot of people don't also talk about because this is just being explored is that. No matter where you go, there's always going to be trolls. There are always going to be people who mm-hmm. are going to do really messed up things um, when people are just trying to, what do we call it? At Dreamio, we call it yucking the yum, you know? Like, mm. we're all yumming out, enjoying this game, and then there comes someone yucking that yum. And we want to find a way to creatively not, I mean, I don't know how to say it. It's just this idea of, I don't want to say that we're going to eradicate it completely because it's existing and it's there, but... Um, with my dream yard hat on and like our work with social justice is more along the lines of like, yes, it's there, but what can we do to either improve that, make it better, um, find a way to just, you know, more positive discussions like these can kind of like start creating a community where those people just wouldn't even want to come, you know? like. So between now and next time, we'll, we'll figure out a way to, uh, to stream some questions. That means we're going to have to advertise a little bit yeah. uh, to let people know that they can be asking questions. And also we need to keep in mind that if we were to use a platform such as Twitch, um, we need to be able to save a video or a clip of what we live stream that mm. we can't really get back. We need to be able to save a video of that and maybe like post it on Twitch or post it on YouTube yeah. so other people can see. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, that's different, too, because if we record the play and then upload it, we won't have to worry about the live moderation right. as opposed to live stream. Like, I think my gut is telling me that a live stream, if we want to get chats and questions fielded and stuff, would be great. And we could make it a private thing where people can come in like through invitation. Um, and so long as there's someone moderating and kicking anyone out who breaks those terms of service or our ground rules, then I think we should be in the clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that I think would be cool, we talked about briefly, Mark, was this idea of I personally want to see a teacher versus student like battle royale, mm. but not in Fortnite because I know not, I'm like, not playing Fortnite, I'm not doing with Fortnite anyone. Either. How about, I don't like how about, Fortnite. How about what, what other titles can we play? Uh, I would really like to bring in some uh, some serious game titles um, that Kamara, you made might have seen some titles at um, Games for Change that you liked, but uh, I would love to do some some um, indie games and and games um, that are uh, sort of have a focus on social issues. I think that would be fun from a um, a critical perspective, just to like. Mm-hmm. Do some play, talk about how the gameplay is, and and uh, and and that'll also bring up good conversation. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. And for um, the teachers versus students, um, we can do some of the games that we were talking about before that like really encourage others to like hang out, be social, and also learn about like what sort of leadership roles yes. they are able mm-hmm. to handle. Yes, um, I personally like and. Whatever, like I, I, this is why I didn't. Really, I wanted to see what you thought about Tropical, the one that we wanted to play. Just I wanted uh, to see Tropical. But the thing is that, like, that's one of the games that if I were to play with other students, that's not you, because you're pretty open minded, you know. Like when it comes to like stuff. No, like I, this. I I love like civilization. But games. this game is just build your own government, and uh, you have to go from colonial times to modern day. Okay. But you're dealing with like the alliance and like uh, you know, like NATO and like all these like real world like actual. I like stuff. That. So, for example, my last argument was I had to figure out how do you fix the housing problem? Mm. <laughs> you know, like, and then I'm like, oh, man, housing is such a big issue, you know, in our community. Like, 
You're learning. I'm learning a lot. Wow. So I'd love to build a country and then compare it to the country that you build and see what that looks like. That sounds incredible. <laughs> um, do you know what share playing is mm. on um, PlayStation? Like, <gasps> like I, I know you don't have to you don't have to talk to me. But if you create a PlayStation party and you invite me, you don't have to talk to me. But um, if I'm in the party, you can start up a share play. And what that does is it's like a one hour broadcast just for the person inside the share play. Mm. So I would join your share play and I will be able to see like how you play your game. Mm. And, oh, that's like another, that. yeah, and that's another thing, too, that I've been trying to figure out, like, how to best handle it. Maybe kind of as we do more work like this, like, how we figure it out. Like, personally, like, I prefer not doing parties, you know, with students just because unless, like, we can't control who's in the party, right? Like, it's just one of these, it's, it's, it's you know, it's a different type of thing. So because it's new, we don't necessarily, there are no real you can guidelines the, as to how it's done. You can make done. the party private. and then You can, but yeah. the thing is that, like, it has to be very structured. You know, it has to happen at a certain time, and people need to be made aware that this is happening at that time just because of that nature of like that negative yep. thing yep, that yep, happens yep. out there but for sure um and we also love your ideas too like share with us let us know what you think would be cool and we're game yeah i i uh echo echo oh. that so uh you that's actually a great segue uh if you have ideas for how we can continue to evolve this can i have your help here as either <laughs> as either uh, new episodes or segments within episodes, uh, whatever you got, uh, you can grab me on Twitter as always at M A Lesser. Um, Rudy, how do we find you online? Um, you can find me at uh, on Twitter as well at Rudy Blanks. That's R U D Y B L A N C S. And uh, Kim, how do we? I, I want to plug some of your writing. Um. I also have a Twitter account. Um, you can follow me at uh, Kim Rennis. Um, spell spell it. K I M and R E N N I S. Kim Rennis. At Kim Rennis on Twitter, and then where do we find your writing? Um, you could look up the um, New York Video Game Critics Circle website, and my reviews should be there, and there should be an archive if you click the tag with my name. And um, also on my Twitter, I linked um, the archive that has all my reviews. Amazing. Guys, I am so grateful for all the time you put into this. And, and uh, I've learned a ton today. I think for those, um, for those out there who feel like uh, there's no such thing as learning from games or uh, from co-play, I think um, they have a lot, a lot to learn. Um, and I hope I hope we can shed some light on that through this and more episodes like it. Thank you guys for being a part of it and helping me uh, put this together from really from from idea to uh, to episode. So thank you. Thanks for having us, Mark. This was definitely a lot of fun. It's new. It's different. It's cool. <laughs> I enjoyed myself. I'm glad to be here, and I hope to be on future episodes as well. You you uh, you're you're going to be careful what you ask for. Um, Thank you guys again. For more info about advertising with us, charitable sponsorship, or if you have show ideas you want to share, find me on Twitter at M.A. Lesser. 
The tracks in this podcast were produced by Leroy Tindy, a guest in episode zero, an Ithaca bomber, an engineer of digital things and fresh beats. Find him on SoundCloud at Air Tindy Beats. No Such Thing is produced by me, Mark Lesser, a learner like you, and our show notes can be found at nosuchthingpodcast.org. This show would not be possible without the support from the good people at Mouse, a national youth development nonprofit that believes in technology as a force for good. Find us online at mouse.org.